Jesse Kelly show. Let's have some fun on a Tuesday. You know, I debated tonight where to begin, where to begin. Let's see. We've got 10,000 plus American civilians stuck in some third world hellhole. We have vaccine passports finally taking hold in America as we all knew they would. Billionaires doing billionaire things and the cleanest bathrooms in the United States of America. We could talk about flaming Hot Cheetos. We could talk about me. But I thought we should set all that aside when the world is on fire. Why? Because sometimes little things explain big things. You really want to understand Afghanistan, you know, it's the big story right now. I'm sure you've heard everyone talk about it all day long. Afghanistan and how they bumbled it and the civilians and what are we going to do and all that. And we're going to go into all that tonight. Don't don't get me wrong. But if you really want to understand how, how does that happen? How could we get there? You'll walk with me through a little story of mine. In fact, I'm going to tell you story to get to another seemingly unrelated story to explain what's happening in the big story. I used to sell RVs, as you know. No, I know this is a big shock, but I haven't done this professionally very long. (laughs) It's kind of had a bit of a different background than most people, but I sold RVs for the longest time. And at one point in time, we had to hire a new service guy. What does that mean? He's not coming in to do sales. He's coming in to clean the RVs we've sold, get them ready, basically do a lot of the grunt work, the 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 elbow grease required work that you need done if you if you run an RV lot. I sell you an RV, someone has to get that thing ready. I'm certainly not going to do it cuz I don't know how it works. I just know how to sell it. Guy shows up for his first day of work. He's already been hired. I'm dealing with a customer who's already bought the RV. And remember, this is his first day of work. First day. What do you like on your first day of work? First day on the job, what do you like? We just hired somebody new. His name's Michael. He showed up 45 minutes early on his first day of work. Why? Because it's your first day of work. You got to make a good first impression. So this was this guy's first day of work. Shows up. I'm with the customer. Customer wanted to know something about the RV. It doesn't matter what it was. It was a little detail about something. I tell him, hey, run out to that RV. Grab me that info real quick while we work on this paperwork and come back. Again, this is not only his first day at work. This is the morning. This is the first task he's ever been given on his first day of work. He hops in a golf cart. We had golf carts. It was a huge lot. Drives out to the golf cart. Whew, that's good. That's a relief. We're sitting there doing paperwork and doing paperwork, and man, it's taking a little while. Okay, it's a little weird. I'm checking my watch. Customers getting a little impatient. I mean, it was a detail that mattered to them. I'm checking my watch and checking my watch, and that blood vessel thing I have in the side of my forehead starts to pulse a little bit. Customer can see I'm starting to get a little frustrated. I'm big on punctuality. I'm just one of those kind of people. Finally. I try to put, I put that fake smile on my face. You know the one women do when they're thinking, I'm going to stab you in your sleep later on? That fake smile of, excuse me, Mr. Customer, I'll be, I'll be right back. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And they know it's not fine. They know I'm upset. I go get in a golf cart myself. I speed on out to the RV. The door's open. I'm walking up to the RV. 
I can hear a phone conversation on the inside. What I think, he's definitely talking to somebody. I storm into the RV. He's sitting on one of the chairs in the RV's living room talking on the telephone. He looks up at me. I raised my hands, kind of that hands out to the side thing, like, what are you doing? And he scrambles and hangs up. He waited. He'd seen me before. He waited until I lifted my hands up and says to me, oh, sorry. And I said, the customer is waiting. Is it an emergency? Is everything okay? He's like, oh, it was my girlfriend. It's not a big deal. Day one. First day. Task one. First day. No, we didn't fire him on the spot that moment. He was fired three and a half weeks later. Should have fired him on the spot. Why? It told me everything I needed to know. I knew everything I needed to know about that employee and his ability. Day one. Day one, hour one. I found out everything I needed to know because little things tell you big things at all times. You want to understand why things can get bungled this much? Why it's been, a, what is it, eight months now of embarrassment after embarrassment after embarrassment? I mean, we're all focusing on Afghanistan. Remember, that's just the latest and greatest. It's been a total embarrassment the entire time. Amateur hour, no one can figure out what's going on. Insane leftist policy, stuff that doesn't even make sense. You really want to know? Let me tell you about a lady by the name of Michelle Fiscus. She's a doctor, a pediatrician. Right now you're saying, what are you talking about? Who is this person? Don't worry, you've never heard of her before. She was from Tennessee. I'm just going to read you a little bit of the story. An investigation right into a canine muzzle allegedly mailed to a former vaccine supervisor's Tennessee residence as a type of intimidation was closed on Monday after it was revealed that the muzzle was bought by her personal bank card. You see, Dr. Michelle Fiscus, pediatrician, she was one of those people out there advocating for minors to get medical care without their parents' condition, go get your vaccine, forget about what mom and dad said, one of the one of these rabid covid people, rabid covid people. And then she apparently bought herself a dog muzzle and mailed it to herself. Now, I know what you're saying, understandably. Jesse, what does this have to do with Afghanistan or the government or anything? Who cares about some doctor in Tennessee? And if you saw her, you would see her Beach Boys crew cut. I know that's shocking. Well, you must understand this. The mentality of the people who occupy the left, the communist mentality, the American cultural Marxist mentality, it is not different than communists have ever been. What it is is communism, I tell you all the time, is a religion, right? It's a religion. Well, have you ever met a devoutly religious person? Maybe you're a devoutly religious person. Jew, Christian, whatever the case may be. Maybe you're a devoutly religious person. Does it go alongside your worldview, your religion, or does it define everything you see? Is everything you see filtered through that prism of your religion? Of course it is. Of course it is. That's what, that's what makes it a religion. What you must understand about communists, they create this world they want to believe. 
They create it. They create, they, they create the monsters they want to be monsters. They create the good outcomes they want to be good outcomes. They create the bad ones. And that's why I've, heard, I've had people tell me a million times, Jesse, it seems like these people live in a world of make-believe. Because they do. They don't occupy the same reality we do. They don't. If you're a doctor and you're speaking out and you want kids to go get vaccinated and ignore their parents and you're some hardcore left-wing nut job and you're pushing it and you're pushing it and you're pushing it, in your mind, in your mind, people are already oppressing you and telling you to shut up and you're mad about it, although you haven't gotten anything concrete yet. So you would simply invent it. This isn't new. These are communist tactics of old. You would simply invent the monster since he never quite presented himself to you. You don't change your worldview. That would never happen because you can't change your God, can you? He is God after all. So you create the reality you want. What does that mean? What does that have to do with Afghanistan? I will explain to you in just a second. They've created the reality they want, not the one that's actually existing. Hang on. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. It is The Jesse Kelly Show on a Tuesday. Oh, before I forget, because I totally forgot in the first segment, Jason Whitlock's coming on. Jason Whitlock coming on about a little over one hour from now. We've all been reading Jason Whitlock. If you're upset about Hollywood and sports going so hard left and you're thinking the money situation is going to make them turn around, stay tuned for Jason Whitlock. He has something interesting to say about that. But first, back to what we're talking about. Communists create their own reality. They don't occupy the one you and I believe. They don't. I, I have a million historical stories I could tell you about it. In fact, I'm going to tell you one in a second. But this is this is National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. You see, we have, they initially said 5,000 American civilians all throughout Afghanistan. Now the number's up to 10. The latest number I heard from Jen Psaki right before the show started was 11. That number's clearly going to keep going up. We, the United States of America, packed up our military and left the country and left all of our civilians there. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was asked about this, and this is what he had to say. And there are Americans and Afghan allies who remain there. Will U.S. troops stay until everyone is out, or will they leave? So I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. What I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting as many people out as rapidly as I'm, possible. And we will I'm sorry? I'm sorry, Chris, would you mind playing that for me one more time? Because I would have sworn, I mean, look, maybe my ears are waxy. I would have sworn he was asked a specific question, and he responded, the National Security Advisor, mind you, he responded with, I'm not going to respond to hypotheticals? And there are Americans and Afghan allies who remain there. Will U.S. troops stay until everyone is out, or will they leave? So I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. What I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting oh, as many okay. people Oh, okay. All right. So uh, we're responding like 15-year-old girls now, national security advisors. So I know what you might be saying. Jesse, okay, so it's a politician, basically. So it's a politician. I'm sure I'm sure the real thinkers and people out there who are who are tasked with getting this done 
I'm sure they have a plan, right? I, I, they have to have a plan. I bet you, and you know what? I bet you not only do they have a plan, they're putting it in place as we speak. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Here's the Pentagon. Is the administration confident that all Americans uh, are essentially free of Taliban control? Do you have anything that indicates the Taliban are going after any of these Americans? Well, there's a lot there, Barb. I, uh, I, I, I can only tell you what we know and that there hasn't been any hostile interactions by the Taliban to our people or to our operations. Part of our operations include helping evacuate American citizens, and that process continues. The general gave you an update, 165 uh, or so uh, just in the last 24 hours. Uh, I can't speak to the locations, the whereabouts of every single American throughout the country and their desires to stay or to go, um, that's something we're not equipped to do here. Uh, again, you've, you've got to understand the, the limited tailored mission that we're trying to conduct right now. Does that sound like a man who knows what he's doing? Does it sound like a man who knows what he's doing? Here's what you have to understand about the people who run, not the Biden administration, not not the, the, the FBI, CIA, the military, the, the people who run each and every cultural pillar you have. Each and every cultural pillar on which the United States of America rests. You must understand, they do not occupy the real world. They do not. They have created their own reality. And their reality... They woke up one morning because because you think you think, yeah, they're Democrats and I disagree with them. But but they have all this intelligence and I'm sure they have extra extra information I don't have. And and therefore they they do have a plan to do things professionally and right. No, your country is run by snot nosed communist college children who've never left a college campus before in their lives ever. And what does that mean? It means they wake up one day and say, you know. I think we should leave Afghanistan. We ran some poll numbers on it. I think it looks really good. Should we leave now? And they look around at each other and they say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to leave now. And here's the best part. If we leave now, the Taliban, they'll be so appreciative of us leaving. They'll just give us time to work everything out after the fact. You hear things like that. And you put your head on your desk and you start to cry. And I get that. That, that, Look, that's understandable response. I'm not being over the top. That's how your government's run. These people don't occupy the real world. Why do you think this happened to Obama time and time and time again during his presidency? Remember the red line in Syria? Remember all the insane stuff Obama did? He was always, remember the deal with Iran? We cut a deal with the number one state sponsor of terror in the world and sent them pallets of cash that we now know for a fact was used to fund terrorist activity to blow up Americans. And while he was doing it, you and I were freaking out. We're like, what? What what kind of? They don't occupy the world you and I occupy. They occupy a world you can't ever understand because it's a world they've made up in their mind. What's their world like? I mean, I can only give you brief glimpses of it because I don't think like that either. One thing's for sure. In their world, yeah, there are good guys and bad guys. America isn't one of the good guys. 
That's first and foremost. I, I'm not even doing the anti-American thing right now. You have to understand that when they look at when they take a worldview of any kind, whether that be illegal immigration on the southern border, Afghanistan, spending no matter what it is, they don't go through anything occupied with the worldview that America is first, that America is best, that America is great, and America should be protected. They have loyalty to their ideology first. I promise you some history tonight. Look up Stalin. Do some reading on Stalin. That was one of the things that really defined Stalin. That's part of the reason he was so violent. He didn't have some deep love of Russia or the Soviet Union. He had a deep, deep, deep love of communism. He wanted it for everyone. It was all that mattered. That's why he would overtly do things that looked horrible for his own country. It didn't matter in service of his God. That's how they think. So understand that about the people who run your country, and this includes your military. Don't think I'm just pointing fingers at Democrats. Those generals that sit there, all those ribbons and medals on now, they're all politicians too, and they all think like this. All of them. One, America's not great. It's not better than anyone else. Frankly, it's a little bit worse. That's one. Two, we've moved past this era of conquest Oh, those barbarians in the past were the strong ruled the weak. You know, I spent a lot of time on my master's degree at Columbia, and we learned that uh, the world has moved past that. We're in a much more enlightened age now. We don't live in this era where (laughs) violent men will force weak people to do things. That's absurd. This isn't ancient Rome. You, see, you think that sounds ridiculous, and it does. I think it sounds ridiculous. But if you're trying to understand how you can screw things up this badly, this quickly, you must understand how they think. You must. And there's another major way they view the world, a major way they view the world. I'll explain in just a second. You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We are doing the best we can tonight to dig into the mind of how these people think and why they consistently screw everything up so badly. I just told you two things. I'm going to give you the third in a second in case you missed it. How do you screw up Afghanistan? How do you screw up Syria? How do you screw up Iraq? How are these monumental screw-ups so consistent? One, first and foremost, they believe America is not only not exceptional, America sucks. That's an important part of it for them. You're you're not exceptional. We don't live in an exceptional place. We really kind of suck. It's kind of an evil place. Certainly not better than anywhere else, so don't act like it is. That's one. That's how they think. Two. They believe we have moved past the era of conquest, of the strong ruling the weak. 
of barbarians with axes telling unarmed peasants where to go and how. They believe we've moved past that era. And last, certainly, certainly not least, is this. You have to understand this about them. They believe they're above you. They believe they're really above pretty much everyone. Now, I'm not talking run-of-the-mill snobbishness here. I'm not talking about the lady in the BMW who looks down on you in your Toyota Camry in traffic. I mean, they genuinely believe they are born to rule you. You hear it all the time. They get caught in these little sound bites all the time. (laughs) Rural America, the unvaccinated. Remember that New York Times reporter just a little while ago? Obama, why are you worried about coronavirus? This is a sophisticated crowd. Said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And and this is just about all. It's a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Now, you probably mocked her or probably got mad at her. Yeah, obviously, it's a snobby witch. You must understand the third way they view the world. They do feel they are above it. You can't relate to that way of thinking. I mean, I can because I think I'm above everybody. But in, in all seriousness, you and I, we can't relate to that way of thinking. Um, I'm better than the landscaper. I'm a lot better than that guy in accounting. You know what? I should actually be in charge of all these people. They should have to check in with me. Every single day to see the things they're allowed to do, the things they're not allowed to do, I'm above them. That's how these people view the world. That's how they think. These people, why do you think they were issuing strongly worded letters to the Taliban when the Taliban were starting to take everything over? We strongly urge the Taliban. Remember Jen Psaki? We urge them to consider their place in the world. Who do you think you're dealing with, you idiot? You're dealing with barbarians. They don't care about their place in the world. They care about chopping people's heads off on television as a lesson to everyone else. They grow up in a world you can never know. They grow up in a world that only knows strength and death. And when I say death, you have to understand... People out there around the world, especially in places like Afghanistan, are simply more comfortable with it than you are. Kids, when they're three, four years old, grow up in Afghanistan with fully loaded AK-47s leaning against the wall. They've seen dead people by the time they hit kindergarten age. Death is simply the way it goes. In fact, not only have they seen dead people, they've been invited, many of them, to public executions where they watch people die. Death is not some horrific thing. Oh my gosh, I saw this icky guy by the side of the highway today. I was 10 minutes late to get my nails done. Death is part of life for them. They live differently. And if these people could step down out of the clouds and stop this horrible mentality that they're somehow above us, they would be able to somehow relate to what they're facing. They would be able to relate to what they're facing. Now, we're going to pause on all this for just a moment because we're going to do, I mean, my favorite thing in the world, my favorite thing in the world, because I am looking at a headline here, and this headline says, 
Pentagon says up to 22,000 at-risk Afghans could be transported to the U.S. Oh, you should be noted, just a quick heads up, um, they're already arriving at a base in Wisconsin. Afghanistan refugees are already arriving at a base in Wisconsin. Now, what's my favorite thing in the world? Besides food and all these other things, what's my favorite thing in the world? Being right and being obnoxious about being right and being able to say, I told you so. This was the oracle from last night. Write this down. I guarantee it. You're going to see in the coming days the administration try to throw a political band-aid on this huge political loser and one of their band-aids is going to be, we're throwing open the door to 10, 20,000 Afghanis. And they're just going to allow these people to flood into the country. And guess who's going to come with them? Yeah, that's right. Radicals. Oh, that's so beautiful. You should see, you should see Chris cringing right now. It just, he just said something that's music to matters. He said it several times before. He said, I can't tell you how much I hate it when you're right. But Chris, that's the whole show, really. <laughs> I told you. And look, it was the easiest thing to, to predict in the world. Because again, let's, let's go back to the way they view the world. Some of the ways they view the world. You, you, have to, you have to remember this. The Biden administration. Right now they're under fire. They are. The world press, world allies, people are criticizing us. We're embarrassed. They're under fire. But they are not huddled around a table like you or I would be and saying, oh, my gosh, how did we screw this up? This, this looks so bad. We have all these innocent civilians there. And look, our allies are mad. How do we patch this up? That's what you and I would be saying in a situation like this if we were running the United States of America. They don't view the world like this. Remember. They're above you. They're above everyone. They should be ruling. Okay, so people are mad about a decision we made. How, what do we do? What, what kind of bread do we throw to the uneducated rubes to make sure they'll be happy? That's why the refugee move was so easy to predict. They're not going to step up and say, oh, we screwed this up. I just don't know. I, how could this happen? Boy, we should have seen this coming. My bad. They don't look at the world. They don't look at you that way. They don't feel, none of these people feel as if they owe you an explanation. Remember, they're above you. They just, okay, the mob is mad. Let's, do we have some free grain we can chuck at them? We know that'll work. You know what? They're mad about Afghanistan. Here's what we'll do. We'll let in all the refugees. But, uh, excuse me, shouldn't. Shouldn't we do a lot of vetting? I know there are a lot of nations in the world that have had real major problems with Afghan refugees. I know there's been, um, gosh, I don't even want to say this because it's a family show, the horrible assaulting of women, the terrible assaulting of women. You saw a lot of this over the past couple years when they had refugees flooding in. Some of the worst offenders of that were men from Afghanistan. Perfectly acceptable to want to vet people coming into your country. What kind of culture are we introducing to our culture? That whole sort of thing. Uh, what are you guys doing about that? They don't care. Because that goes with the other part of the mentality I've been trying to tell you about. Deep down, there's no love of country. You're not going to appeal to them about this being bad for America and have that make any effect at all. Hang on, I'm not quite finished on the, that yet because there was one country that avoided all that refugee mess. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first and foremost, 
The world is ugly. It is. This is a true story. Husband and wife driving home from dinner one night. You've done it a million times. Stop at a red light. You've done it a million times. And an angry mob surrounds their car. How many scenes have you seen like that on the television over the last year and a half? It's always scary, right? Always sad. We remember that one in Chicago where that young couple just died. Both of them shot in the head. Well, that might have been what this couple was facing because they managed to get the driver's side door open, began dragging the husband from the car. Imagine the fear you fear in that moment. Imagine how desperate you would be for anything to save you in that moment. Good for them. They had bought a Hero 2020 non-lethal weapon. Husband gets his hands on it, manages to shoot his attacker twice. A powerful pepper chemical irritant floods his attacker's face. They can't see you, can't breathe. Back in the car, home safe and sound. Hero2020.com. Use the coupon code Kelly for a special discount. State law restrictions may apply. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Tuesday. See, we don't have to cry about it. We have to cry. Look, it is what it is. We're we're walking people through. We're walking everybody through how these people think and why these people think that way. And once again, just for everybody in the back, uh, Chris, just if if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and play. I mean, the greatest person on earth, he said this last night. Write this down. I guarantee it. You're going to see in the coming days the administration try to throw a political Band-Aid on this huge political loser, and one of their Band-Aids is going to be, we're throwing open the door to 10, 20,000 Afghanis, and they're just going to allow these people to flood into the country. Headline, Pentagon says up to 22,000 at-risk Afghans could be transported to the U.S. And in fact, as of the time you're hearing my voice, they're already arriving at a base in Wisconsin. Jesse, you're the Oracle. How do you do this all the time? I understand what I'm dealing with. I'm not dealing with patriots. I'm not dealing with people who care about America. Remember our three things? In case you missed it at the beginning of the show. Why does everything get screwed up now? Because the people who run your country, not just the Biden administration, the people who run every cultural institution, they all think three ways. Three ways. They they share this in common. One, America is not exceptional. America is not great. In fact, America is the cause of much of the ugliness in the world. Two, they believe we've moved into a new era where the strong don't rule the weak. This is a more sophisticated time. And three... They believe they should rule you. And I mean rule you. Why do you think they're so comfortable threatening you and telling you what to do all the time? They do think you're lesser. They think they're of a higher stock. And they believe they should rule you. This is not unique. You can look at this throughout history. Various blue bloods, royal families, nobles in a society. It was simply a common way of thinking. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an equal soul to that peasant. That peasant, he's, he's a helpless idiot. He needs my guidance. That's how they look at the world. That's why the refugee thing was so predictable. And what I've argued is this, because you'll get people on the right, and maybe you're one of these people who says, well, I mean, we should let them in. Listen, I have no problem allowing some people in. 
none whatsoever. But let's not take concepts and act like they're reality. Because when you say, ah, ah, we should we should help the people who helped us, when you say that, what you're picturing is this. You're picturing the Afghan person who's been vetted. He's been working with American troops. We have an extensive background check on him. We know there's no radicalism there. We know this and that. And he's going to be relocated to a white picket fence neighborhood, somewhere far away from you, of course, but he's going to be relocated to a white picket fence neighborhood and all is going to be fine. That's the concept. That's what you have in your mind. When you're like, yeah, I'll let him in. Let's be compassionate. The reality is this. Remember, back to the first way these people think. America's not exceptional. America kind of sucks. Do you think the people who've screwed up every single thing for the last eight months are going to properly vet the thousands of of refugees they're about to flood America with? Do you really believe that? I mean, if you do... Please get in touch with the show, 877-377-4373. I have some oceanfront property in Arizona I would love to sell you right now. If you believe the Biden administration is going to properly vet a single person coming into the United States, I would love to sell you this oceanfront property for the low, low price of $10 million an acre. Come on, grow up. Let's not act like they're going to do this right. They're going to do this efficiently. They're going to do this in a way that's going to help the United States of America. Let's not act like they have any interest in helping the United States of America. They're scrambling and panicking right now because this is a big political stone around the neck of the Biden administration. You have people openly citing the 25th Amendment, wanting him to to remove him from office It's a big deal, a big scandal, a big loser. They're looking for some kind of political win they can toss to the masses because, again, they're above the masses. They want to toss it to the uneducated rubes like you and me so we'll get distracted and stop talking about Afghanistan. How do you do that? Oh, uh, this looks bad. Uh, 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 Oh, we're we're doing a press conference today where we'll announce we've allowed 20,000 refugees in here. Aren't we compassionate? See, we had a plan all along. You were worried about that? Of course that's how it's going to be done. Let's not assign professionalism to amateurs. I don't ask my 10-year-old to park my car. Why? Because I don't want it in my living room. That's why. Don't assign professionalism to to amateurs. Not now, not ever. These are people who are not able to function in the real world. Do you really think they're going to vet? Do you really think they want to vet people who come into this nation? Again, don't let your compassion cloud your judgment. I understand you see the pictures and videos and you want to do something and that's good. I'm glad you have that heart. That's a good thing. Don't let the need to do something end up ruining something. It ruined a lot of places in Europe. A lot of places. It ruined great American cities. Go talk to one of my favorite American cities has always been Minneapolis. I just dearly love the place. We used to go when I was a kid. I love the place. And people dog on it now. And honestly, I understand their crazy government has made them earn some of that. It's still just a really cool American city and could be great. Ask Minneapolis, ask the people who've been in Minneapolis for a long time, ask them what they think about unchecked refugees. Ask them, ask them how that whole Somali immigration thing's working out for them. 
oh, you don't, you don't like Ilhan Omar in Congress? How do you think she got there? Instead of complaining about Ilhan Omar, maybe you should have minded the imports. Oh, you really want to know a reason this, another reason this whole thing happened? I have something I have to read you and play you. Hang on for this one. Jesse Kelly show and I guess I may have spoke out of turn for just a second there yes I do have something cool I'm going to read you I gave out the phone number for tonight I wasn't going to take calls but that's probably extra rude even for me to not take calls after giving out the phone number to all of America so (laughs) I'll take some calls later on in the show 877-377-4373 look it's on you don't be boring don't screw it up, and then, then then maybe you'll get to stay on the line for a minute. But I promised you I was going to read you something, and I don't generally like to do this on the show because reading is so lame anyway. What, Chris? But I'm going to read you something now because it's from somebody I trust. His name's Brian Dean Wright. He's a former CIA ops guy. Now, when I say ops guy, understand. Every nerd who's ever worked at the CIA or FBI stapling papers in the mailroom walks around telling everybody, I was CIA. I was FBI. There are ops guys, and then there are the paper-pushing nerds who never leave the air conditioning. This was an ops guy. He's one of the best guys I know as far as inside sources. He put up something long. I'm going to read it now. Because you're going to forget his name, I will just assume you will credit these thoughts to me, and that's really what I wanted all along. What, Chris? There's no limit to what you can accomplish if you're willing to steal other people's work. Uh, Everyone knows that. (laughs) Here we go. Former U.S. intelligence colleagues are angry and deeply worried at what has happened in Afghanistan. Here's what I'm hearing and why there's a nearly a universal belief that America and the world are in for one of the most dangerous and unpredictable times in modern history. A lot of this stuff's going to sound familiar because it's what I've been warning you about. Afghanistan has shown the world enemies and allies alike that our military and intel assets are largely irrelevant because we can't deploy them successfully. The blame lays at the feet of multiple presidents, generals, spies, and Congress. America's elites are trash. China knows it. They will become emboldened covertly and overtly. War over Taiwan and contested islands in the South China Sea and East China Sea is now more likely. Russia will consider consider similar covert and overt moves focused on Crimea and former Soviet satellites. Just I'm going to pause on this for just a brief moment. I'm actually looking at a headline here. China touts U.S. humiliation in Afghanistan in warning to Taiwan. Remember, if you look at a map, if you look at a map, You'll see Taiwan just off the coast of China. China lost Taiwan, at least in the eyes of the world, during the Opium Wars. The Opium Wars were between China and Britain. Britain flooded China with opium to drug their people. It was actually pretty brilliant and dirty. I'm not going to go into the history of it, but the Opium Wars, China lost Taiwan. They've wanted it back ever since. If you notice where it is, it's also sticking out there as a big fat island in the South China Sea. 
You want islands. You want significant-sized islands because they're fortresses. As far as Russia goes, Russia has always felt a right to Eastern Europe. That wasn't just a World War II Stalin thing. They feel as if those countries should always be under their purview, and Vladimir Putin sees himself as a Stalin type. Back to the story. The fear is that China and Russia will act in concert. Why? America was whipped by a tiny rebel force, and they couldn't even retreat properly. Meanwhile, the American people were angry, COVID-weary, and divided. If there was ever a time to push American hegemony aside, I have never known if I say that word, hegemony, right, Chris? I knew I did. I never doubted myself. What was I thinking? This is it. If Cold War III grows hot, America will need to quickly build up and work with foreign counterparts. But who will trust America after Afghanistan? Who believes we have the leadership to use our military might well? Who will trust us when we say we will stand with you? Beyond China and Russia, others will take gambles too. Terror organizations like Al-Qaeda and ISIS are degraded but not dead. Their ideology is very much alive. Iran's Hezbollah with terror cells throughout the U.S. may see an opening to create chaos too. Just a quick note, that wasn't just an offhanded remark. Hezbollah has terror cells throughout the United States of America. They have held back these terror cells. That doesn't last forever though. Meanwhile, the disaster inside Afghanistan is only just beginning. Pay attention here. I've been warning you about this as well. The Taliban will launch a new terror campaign against American collaborators. The pictures will shock the conscience of the world, further degrading American moral authority. Biden and company will struggle to respond. There's also the nightmare of the tactical weaponry now awash in Afghanistan and the hands of the Taliban and soon on the global black market. These arms will fuel chaos around the world for decades. The Pentagon has no idea where this stuff is and no plans to destroy it. Finally, if Afghan refugees pour into the U.S., there are profound implications for security, culture, economy, and politics. Are they properly vetted? No. Do they hold Western tolerant values? Do they bring skills and education? Which party will they support? The existential problem is that America needs good leadership to right its ship, but there is none. Our federal bench is weak. Biden is a corrupt old man. Impeachment is a long shot. Harris is an unpopular paperweight. The legislature is a feckless cabal of empty suits. I could go on. You're welcome to go read it. It's only a couple more after that. But what have I been telling you? What did I go over last night with you on your show, on my show, on your show, on my show? What did I say? What did I say about our cultural institutions? How we don't have experts anymore because all your cultural institutions are rotted out to the core. All of them. You didn't get any generals stepping up because you don't have good generals. You didn't get politicians stepping up because you don't have selfless politicians. You don't have some officer in the CIA, some high-ranking guy stepping in because you don't have any of those. All the people who run your cultural institutions at every level, they've all been filtered through America's communist education system for generations now, and therefore you don't have some uber patriot in a position of power ready to step up and take the reins. He doesn't exist. This is what I've been saying for a long time. I don't want this to sound depressing, 
I want this to wake you up. There's no one coming to save you. You don't have cultural institutions left. They're all gone outside of the states. You do have individual states, and you will need them. When I have been telling you to balkanize, to move to a red area that shares your values and make it redder, and I mean make it redder, run for office, fortify it, this is why I've been telling you this. I cannot stress this enough. People get if you if you get someone right now to admit that America's on the decline, and most people will admit we're we're on the back end of this thing, right? People at least will say things like, "Oh, I mean, hopefully it give us another hundred years or so." All nations, when they're on decline, super powerful nations, they all have tricked themselves into that. Well, it's going to all go at the same pace it's been going. This stuff happens slowly at first, and then pow, all at once. It happens so fast. It happens so fast. The next 20 or 30 years, you're going to live, your kids are going to live in the United States of America, are going to look nothing, nothing like the last 20 or 30 years. You're not going to see, well, maybe taxes will go up, dollar will go down a little I mean, sure, there'll be a scuffle here and there. What's coming specifically? I don't know. I don't know. But have you considered where we are? Have you considered our position? Do you want to consider it? You're going to because I'm going to give it to you next. Then I'm going to tell you a story about gambling. Then we have Jason Whitlock. But first and foremost, part of fortifying your position means fortifying the companies that are still fighting on your behalf. You haven't lost everyone yet. When I talk to you about MyPillow and all the MyPillow stuff I bought, yeah, I I own a ton of MyPillow stuff because of the quality. I'm not going to lie. There's 60-day money-back guarantee. It's the best pillow I've ever had, best sheets I've ever had, best mattress topper I've ever had. I can't get the wife to take the pajamas off. It's, It's just the most comfortable stuff ever. But it's also... A patriotic country that's a company that's been fighting for you and fighting for me. Don't you think you should show them your support? And they're having the sale of the year right now. Their Giza Dream Sheets are 50% off, half off. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, and use the promo code Jesse and get Giza Dream Sheets for half off. Mypillow.com, promo code Jesse. I'll play you something next. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. We got a new guy. We got a new guy. His name's Michael. He was telling gambling stories during the break. Look, it's a it's a very intense show here. I have my gambling story. You may have heard it before. I'm going to tell it again in just a second. I will take it some phone calls tonight. 877-377-4373. And we got famous Jason Whitlock coming up in 10 minutes from now. You know what's so wild? I used to read Jason Whitlock all the time when I was a teenager, when I was just obsessed with sports. I read Jason Whitlock all the time. and Everyone knew who Jason Whitlock was. Now, since I'm this huge, important celebrity, what, Chris? Now he's coming on my show. Look, I'm a huge deal. If you're worried or at least wondering how this happened, how did all these people, all the incapable losers, how they take over all the important positions in our country? I mean, 
You remember that CIA ad, right? I'm about to play you. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's just, it's more than I can take. But you think about CIA, the largest spy organization in the world. Chris, they're the largest. Chris is over here shilling for Israel. Israel's probably the most effective, to be honest with you. But the CIA is the biggest as far as employees go. CIA is biggest. You, you don't even have enough people in your country. All right, never mind. The CIA is the biggest. You at least think about cool spy stuff, right? I want a shoe I can make phone calls with and stuff like that. What, Chris? Well, this is their advertising. When I was 17, I quoted Zora Neale Hurston's How It Feels to Be Colored Me in my college application essay. The line that spoke to me stated simply, I am not tragically colored. There is no sorrow damned up in my soul nor lurking behind my eyes. I do not mind at all. At 17, I had no idea what life would bring, but Sora's sentiment articulated so beautifully how I felt as a daughter of immigrants then and now. Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. I am a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am intersectional. Gee, I can't figure out why we had intelligence failures in Afghanistan. You get what you ask for in life. Remember, I told you this story last night and I meant it. Buddy of mine, one of these real warrior types, decided once he got out of the Marine Corps, well, I'm not going to go into the details, decided he was going to go FBI. He wanted to coach himself up, get ready for all those exams. Got a hold of a current FBI agent. FBI agent told him, you better answer every question on the exam as if you're a far-left liberal. And the difference now is, again, the next 20 or 30 years are going to be radically different than the 20 or 30 years that you know, the last 20 or 30 years. That's because your parents and your grandparents they had these anti-American radicals sprinkled in, for sure. There was always a Hollywood director who was a communist. Sure, you're going to get a vice president communist. You're going to get a guy at the FBI, a guy at the CIA. You're going to get a general who's a little out there. They were always sprinkled in. They're not sprinkled in anymore. Part of the filtration system to achieve any position of power now within our culture goes through the communist filter. It does. That's why you have losers now. That's why you have incapable, incompetent boobs running your country. Can you offer any guarantee to the Americans and Afghan allies that if they remain there past the end of the month, U.S. troops will help them evacuate past the end of the month. Weijia, our our focus right now is uh, undoing the work at hand and on the task at hand. And that is day by day, getting as many American citizens, as many SIV applicants, as many members of a vulnerable population who are eligible to be evacuated to the airport and out on planes. Uh, And we're going to do that in an expeditious fashion. That is the focus of the president, of our secretary of defense, of our secretary of of state, uh, and everybody on our national security team. Uh, So that is you don't have a plan at all. There's no plan at all. None whatsoever. And everyone knows it. Of course you don't have a plan. Of course you don't have a plan. Remember what we found out yesterday. 
They thought, they legitimately thought, we were just going to pull the troops out and the Taliban were going to, what? Give us time to get our people out. How could anyone be that naive? They don't exist in the same world you exist in. I told you I was going to give you a little history story. Here's a little one. I don't know how much digging into the Stasi you've done. I've done a history show or two or two on the Stasi before. The Stasi were the evil state police of East Germany. You know, East Germany was the communist version. West Germany was the free version. East Germany was the one the Soviets kind of coached them up. Hey, here's how you do communism. Go get it. And, of course, because they're Germans, they went all in because that's what Germans do. And the Stasi just got gigantic. And in the, the, this world of make-believe thing, when the Stasi finally fell and this government finally fell and people chose a different way and they started digging through all the documents because the Stasi kept records on everyone and they destroyed lots of records. There's, they'll be combing through those records for the duration of my lifetime and your kid's lifetime because a lot of the documents are shredded and they're putting them back together. But anyway, as they're digging through all the documents, they're discovering things like this. The Stasi were obsessed with digging out the foreign agents who had implanted themselves in this region or that region of their country. They were obsessed with it. They just knew, okay, communism, this isn't working. The, the shelves are empty. N- nothing's working right. This is foreign agents. I know there are foreign agents here. Go, Stasi, get these foreign agents. Dig up those foreign agents. We have to do the foreign agents. Let, like, by goodness, someone find the foreign agents. There weren't any foreign agents. They would dig through entire regions, and they couldn't find a single foreign agent. So what they do? They started locking up their own citizens and simply accusing innocent people of being foreign agents. The communists never, ever, 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 ever takes a step back and self-assesses and says to himself, what if everything I believe is wrong? He's not capable of it because that would mean denying his God. Remember, it's not his political ideology. It's his entire worldview. It's his religion. He's not going to take a step back and deny the existence of God. Would you ever deny the existence of God? Well, he's not going to either. What he believes to be true must be true. Even if it's not true, he'll make sure it's true. That's why they get caught with their pants down and get embarrassed on the world stage time and time and time again. What do you mean the Taliban only believe in force and they only know violence and death and they're just going to move in the second we leave? No, they won't. What? No. I, don't they understand we're being nice? And so they'll in turn be nice. I mean, yeah, see how nice we are? So they're going to reciprocate on that. They're not, they're not going to re- interpret it as weakness. What's wrong with you? These are not people who reside in the real world. Now, that wouldn't be a big deal if they were still some long-haired hippies on the street corner waving signs around. They run the United States of America now. We're going to talk to Jason Whitlock next. Jason Whitlock had an interesting take when I talked to him before about sports and Hollywood and how you aren't going anymore and the ratings are down, so things are about to turn themselves around, right? Right? We'll ask him. Hang on.
It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and ABBA being played on my show can mean only one thing. It means my next guest, of which I'm a gigantic fan and have been for a long time, Jason Whitlock, host of Fearless on Blaze. It means he failed to pick his own intro song. Jason, big a fan as I am, I bet you won't that mis- make that mistake ever again. <laughs> I was going to say Kanye West, Jesus Walks, but I thought that would be arrogant, so uh, I didn't say anything. Well, Jesus does walk. That's perfectly acceptable <laughs> on this show. That's perfectly acceptable on this show. Jason, before we get into all kinds of other madness that you and I have talked about before. I want to bring up something about Hollywood and sports. And I had asked you a question one time about the ratings because I was always under the impression, yeah, they're all nutballs. They hate America, all these things. But the ratings will get bad enough. The advertising dollars will get scarce enough that all this garbage of politicizing sports will stop and sanity will return and you took a needle and just burst my bubble, so please burst it for all of America now. Look, it's, the ratings are irrelevant at this point. Major global corporations are paying for message and agenda. Are you on message? Is the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, baseball are they supporting the message and agenda that global corporations want? That's all that matters. And and so there will be no fix because the ratings are going to drop. It's no longer about ratings. It's almost like the Hollywood movie industry. It's never been about box office, particularly over the last 10 years. It's not about selling tickets. It's about are you promoting the left, the woke, the the secular message that they want pumped out and, and the anti-patriarch message that they want pumped out. And so that's why so many movies you've never heard of, you'd never go watch and see, are winning Academy Awards or getting nominated for Academy Awards. And Hollywood keeps spending millions of dollars on movies that, that don't really draw a massive audience like they used to. We've built a system where the results don't matter They've short-circuited capitalism. Okay, but how does that system work? Because the money has to come from somewhere, right? I mean, they're not, they're not going broke. They're still driving Lamborghinis and, and, and hanging out with the Swedish bikini team. Where's the money coming from? You've heard of inflation. You've heard of the modern, monetary theory. Mm-hmm. We're printing money. Money just has less value than, than it used to. The money that Joe Biden, uh, Donald Trump before him, politicians, we just keep printing money. And so there's this endless supply of money that's not attached to results. And that's why the stock market has given the appearance of being robust. And, and everything is inflated right now. Everyone's value is inflated right now. And so it, it, it's like... I see it, the, the hope, I'll give you hope, Jesse, is that maybe there's so much desperation and everybody, the corporations, everybody's all in on the great reset and, and resetting the way things are done here in America. And so they're just going to spend, 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 print money, print money, print money, and hopefully they can accomplish all their changes before the public really wakes up 
and and just runs all of these corrupt politicians out. And and so they're operating to some degree like they have a two year window. And and then maybe reality will, will set in and and you'll have to be able to like justify the money that's being spent. But right now you don't have to justify anything. All you have to do is be on message. Look at the NFL. They went through a year with no fans in the stadium and still came back and handed out record contracts to their players. Uh, I just, we're watching capitalism being manipulated. You've got all these tech billionaires instant billionaires out of Northern California financing a lot of this. And obviously, you know, they put a lot of planning and thought and feel like this is the time to strike. And and so they've wrestled our sports leagues and every other major institution in line, and and they want to execute this great reset within this window Right now, and and the billionaires, the George Soroses, and everybody else is willing to spend. Je- uh, Jeff Bezos, they're spending as much money as it takes to keep everybody on message, and and then they're hoping to like wear us out in terms of traditional sports fans. It's what they want us to accept. Like, oh, things have changed. I just want to watch football. I don't. I don't care that they're promoting this leftist message. I'm just going to get on board with it. They're hoping that they're going to wear us out. And and to some degree, the strategy is working. I watched the NBA playoffs after LeBron James got eliminated. I watched the NBA playoffs and kind of enjoyed it. They had tamped down their Marxist messaging and Black Lives Matter support. I'll probably hop on board and watch this NFL season. Uh, they're, they're just, it, it's a game, it's a war of attrition, and they feel like they can win the long war and, and wear me, you, and other people out that eventually we're just going to raise our white flag and say, okay, things have changed. We live in a leftist, godless world, and uh, I'm still going to enjoy sports even though they promote a leftist, godless agenda. Speaking with Jason Whitlock, he is the host of Fearless on Blaze TV. Not that he, not that he needs any introduction from me. So, you think in the end, look, you know what? Set, let's set that aside for a moment. Jeff Bezos. I don't, I don't pretend to think you know the guy. Maybe you do. I don't. I've never met him in my life. But okay, so pick your mega billionaire out there who is very much in control of so much. I feel like, yeah, we've always had mega rich guys, Rockefellers and Vanderbilts and whatnot, but there was always a generous amount of patriotism sprinkled in. Do our billionaires not have that anymore? Do they not survey their kingdoms and say, wow, what a great country that provided me these opportunities? No, because Ah. (laughs) they just don't, because they've been transformed into global citizens. They're not Americans. They're part of this global society, and they have homes in other countries, and they see themselves connected to every other country on the planet. And they, the billionaires, have figured out, like, American freedom and all the the things we've taken for granted, I'm going to get that 
regardless of who's in charge, regardless of what constitution we respect. I'm a billionaire. I'm going to live a privileged life. How can I make the most money as a billionaire businessman? And I think many of them have concluded, you know what? I like the way the the CCP runs China. That's good for business. And so I would like to see America adopt a more communist philosophy and run our country the way that China does. That's actually good for the super wealthy elites, and it may not be good for the people below us, but who really cares about them? We'll provide their basic needs. They're not one of these special people like us. We're God. They're our subjects. And and we'll provide enough to make them happy. They're not like us. They don't need the things. They don't need the success or the opportunity to reach the level of success we did. Uh, we're just smarter than them. And so I think the Jeff Bezoses and the Mark Zuckerbergs and uh, the Jack Dorseys and just whatever billionaire you can think of, Bill Gates, they all think, you know what? It'd be better if we were more like China. Oh. Man, Jason Whitlock, go watch his show. It's outstanding. Fearless on Blaze TV. Thank you so much. As you know, been a big fan for a long time. Thank you, Jesse. 877-377-4373. I have to tell you a gambling story. We have to talk about bathrooms. That's enough heavy stuff for now. Look, you're welcome to call in and scream. Just don't screw it up. 877-377-4373. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We will get to your phone calls in just a second. But as I said, we have a new guy, Michael, and he was talking about gambling. Told you my gambling story before. I'm not a big gambler now. And this is not because I have something morally against it. I mean, Although I will say, I'm sure there's someone listening to the sound of my voice who's experienced this. I've seen a lot of people ruin their lives with it. So like all vices, try to keep that under control, huh? About the time you're you're putting your second mortgage in the center of the poker table, maybe time to step back and reassess. But I'm not a big gambler anymore. Why? Because you know this about me. I have impulse control problems. I don't I don't do things halfway. I had one bad year of college, 0.0 grade point average my first semester after high school. I didn't step back, study more, reassess. I walked down to the Marine Corps recruitment office and signed the papers. After that, I I decided to run for office. I didn't run for city council, dog catcher, constable. I'm running for U.S. Congress. I just, I always do. I quit my job and moved across the country with my family to Texas with no job. It's just, I do really dumb things a lot. I've done it my whole life. It's part of who I am. One of those times came when I was 20 years old. 20 years old in the United States Marine Corps. I believe we were about four or five hours away from Las Vegas. I was in 29 Palms. It's right in the middle of the Mojave Desert. I don't remember. I just remember it was a haul. It was too long for a short weekend, but it was close enough for a long weekend. And I know what you're saying. Jesse, you were only 20. How'd you get in the casinos? I got a fake ID. Good grief. Grow up. Anyway, so I had a fake ID. We go down to the casinos. I'd never been to Las Vegas. I, I was in Ohio and moved to Montana when I was 10. 
The only gambling you see up there is is the little the little dorky machines where you can kind of play blackjack on the computer if you put in a couple quarters. And I never had any money, so it wasn't, it wasn't like I was into it. But I walk into Las Vegas, and as you can imagine, 20 years old in Las Vegas, my eyes are the size of saucers. And I would get in the casino. I'm in there with my buddies. They're, they're all about a year older than me. And we're faking it till we make it. We think we're big shots as if everybody couldn't tell we're a bunch of 19, 20, 20-year-old, 20 21-year-old Marines with, with not two nickels to rub together. And we start gambling. Now, remember, I've never done this before, ever. I currently, as I walk into this Vegas casino, I have $600 total to my name. My car is worth about that much. So maybe you could say my net worth was hovering right around, oh, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars total. And I didn't own anything else. I had no possessions and you don't make any money. So there's no money, right? I sit down at the blackjack table and I know now, by the way, this whole night was a gift from God. I know this, but I didn't know it at the time. I sit down at my first blackjack table And the absolute worst thing happens to me that can possibly happen to somebody who sits down at a table for the first time. I start winning. And there's a very nice older lady who was, she was the dealer. And I I mean, I can't even believe this was legal. She's, she's stopping me from hitting or passing. She, she, she is coaching me through what I should be doing. It's my first time. I'm all doe eyed, you know, I'm a young Marine. And I'm winning, and I'm winning big money. Now, it was big money for me. I understand it's not big money, most likely for you. I think I put down $50, and I walked away from that table. If I remember right, I walked away from that table with like $270. $270. I I thought I was Bill Gates. And, of course, you walk away thinking, this is easy. In fact, I... After I get out of the Marine Corps, I think I'll just go pro. I had no idea it was so easy to make money like this. And so that's what gets you coming back. And then they start bringing you free drinks. You know, the drinks are free. They're so nice here. Can you believe it? They just brought me another double Jack and Coke. How sweet is that? They're just the nicest people around Las Vegas. And the sharpness wears off. And I wasn't that sharp to begin with. And then you're breaking even. And then you're starting to lose a little bit, but just a little bit. But it's not a big deal. I sat down with $50 before. I just need a little more money, and then I'll win it all back again, right? Oh, look. They, look look how nice they are. They even keep ATMs right here. Oh, these you can keep going back to these. Oh, there's no limit. Oh, that is such great news. By the end of the night, I had no money left. And I, I can't stress this enough. I don't mean I had $5 left. I had no money left. None. We had to get haircuts on the way back into base. You have to come show up on base uh, every Monday morning with a fresh haircut. It's part of the rules. I had to borrow $13 from my buddy to get a haircut. I'll never in my life forget the feeling of walking out of that casino. Of course, we had stayed up all night. So I'm physically feeling just great too, right? We had stayed up all night and I walked out of that casino and it was blazing hot. It was the summertime in Las Vegas and my buddies were still in there gambling. They didn't want to quit yet, but 
but I was so physically ill from having lost every dime I'd ever made and and just felt like the biggest idiot in the history of mankind. I told my buddy I just wanted to go sit in his hot car and didn't even take the keys. And I went and sat in his hot car and just sat there sweating, thinking about vomiting. To this day, I've never gambled significantly since. Even if I go to Las Vegas, and again, I don't have anything against it. If, to this day, if I go to Las Vegas, I'll gamble 50 bucks, maybe. And once that's gone, I'm out. I'll, I'll bet money on a football game. Five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Hey, Jesse, you want to get in our $250 squares? Nope. And I know I could. Right, I could. I mean, once you get old enough, you're not, you don't have $600 in the bank anymore. I don't have 600000 but I don't have $600. So I could. I can't make myself do it. The most valuable lesson ever. I can't wait to take my sons to Vegas, Chris. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. I will finally get to your phone calls. 877-377-4373. Next. Hang on. Jesse Kelly show. Yeah, we're going to talk about bathrooms next. I realize the world's on fire. I, I'm passionate about bathrooms, and we're going to talk about bathrooms, and we're going to get to your emails and all that. Don't forget, though, if you miss any part of the show, any part of the show, the whole thing is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes. Don't roll your eyes, Chris. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Talking about how handsome I am. If you notice, there's about a thousand of those already. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go down the list on the phone calls. You know the rules. Don't screw it up. Bonnie, go. Oh, yes, you are handsome. Sorry. <laughs> um, listen. I want uh, Listen, I'm 74. I know handsome when I see it. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, all right. I want to tell you what Facebook did to me, Jesse. I posted an opinion meme. It was a cartoon. It said they lost me on the effectiveness of masks when they released prisoners instead of just giving them masks. You know, that's actually a great phone call. Look, it's a great phone call because it's yet another example of a thousand things they have done. A thousand things. I actually have not even thought about the prisoners part of it yet. It's so true. I've brought up the illegal immigration proving to you they're not worried about coronavirus. I've brought up all these politicians getting caught partying everywhere, getting their hair cut proves they're not worried about coronavirus. I didn't even think about the prisoners. They're cutting violent prisoners loose across the country who are murdering people. And they're cutting them loose for COVID reasons? That's a good phone call, Bonnie. 74. Look at look at Bonnie, 74. I bet she's still a dime. Anyway, bring in the heat. I didn't think about the prisoners. Scott, it's on you. Go. Yeah, Jesse, you've got to be <laughs> your one lucky poker player. <laughs> hey, uh, I, have an, I have an exit strategy. Go ahead. I have an exit strategy for uh, for getting out of Afghanistan. It's called EMP. All right. Didn't elaborate fast enough. Yeah, I hung up. Steve, it's on you. Go. Hello? Yep, you're gone too. Alex, it's your turn. Go. Also gone. 
Joaquin, go. Jesse, the love boat is a naval ship where we can get together. Hey, you know, this whole thing in Afghanistan, the more comedic that it looks, the bumbling that it is, this really looks like it was done deliberately, you know. And people in the conservative media, again, you know, they, they fail to put any blame on our side. You have to wonder, like the antics of Liz Cheney, they don't come out of some leftist airhead bubble. She is the fruit of Dick's loins, and she's doing Dick's bidding, you know. And all these people, for some reason, are hell-bent on seeing the Chinese, you know, benefit from this because the Chinese are going to benefit from this. They're already sitting and knocking at the door. And when you go back to Vietnam, like you talked about last night, who really won there? It was the Chinese and it was the communists in our own schools, okay, and like Hanoi J in our own media that actually helped facilitate the loss of that war. That's an outstanding phone call, Walking, It's an outstanding phone call because he's 100% right. He's 100% right. And you know what? I'm glad he brought up the Cheneys, too. Don't let these people get away with this. I saw George Bush put out a statement. Look, you can be the biggest George Bush fan in the world. You can be the biggest George Bush hater in the world. But if Afghanistan is going into the toilet, I don't think it's time for George Bush to speak up. Uh, look, whether you're a fan or not a fan, if, if Afghanistan is imploding and the Taliban now control more territory than they did back in 2001, and they have American weapons now, and we still have the Afghanistan papers. Don't think I've forgotten about the Afghanistan papers. They're sitting in front of me. If all that happened, and you're George Bush, maybe go home. Keep it quiet for a bit. Just keep it quiet for a bit. I'm glad he brought up the Cheneys, too. It always bothered me about Dick Cheney. Always bothered me because the Cheneys, the whole Cheney family, Liz Cheney, Dish, uh, Dick Cheney, we got to invade, we got to stay, we got to invade, we got to invade. That's funny. Uh, I'm looking at f- five draft deferments from Vietnam for Dick Cheney. Said he, quote, had other priorities at the time. Look, you can have whatever foreign policy views you want. You and I are only going to have an issue if you're a chicken hawk, what's a chicken hawk? Look at Mitt Romney. That's a chicken hawk. Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, five sons. Mitt Romney's very upset we left Afghanistan. We need to be everywhere all the time. We need boots on the ground. That's weird because none of the Romneys have been able to find a military recruitment office. And you know why it bugs me? Because it shows the disconnect. It shows the disrespect you have for the men and women who put it on the line. Because you're really, really passionate about this. America has to do this. We have to step in. We have to protect these people. We have to do the right thing by these people. We have to... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say we? I mean, I meant you. Oh, vote for it. You're the one who has to hug your wife on the runway and look into her teary eyes and say goodbye to her maybe for the last time. You're the one who has to kneel down when your son says, Daddy, please don't go, and tell him goodbye. Oh, I'm I'm Mitt Romney. I don't have to do those things. No, none of my sons do either. That's, that's for the peasants. Back to the beginning of the show. Remember what we talked about? The three, the, the three things these people have in their mentality. You have to remember. Do you remember the three things? One, there's no genuine love of America. None. 
In fact, they think America kind of sucks. Two, this is an important one. They feel as if we've moved into a different, more civilized era. They feel that, by the way, because they've lived in such an insulated bubble of academia. They don't know how the real world works. And three, they feel as if they should rule you. They genuinely feel above you. I don't mean run-of-the-mill snobbishness. I don't hang out with people on the other side of the tracks. It's actually way worse than that. It's not only I don't hang out with people on the other side of the tracks. It's I should be in charge of all those people on the other side of the tracks. They feel like rulers. They feel like kings. They feel as if that's their lot in life. I mean, listen listen to this. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to give you his name after. You're going to figure out who it is in five seconds anyway. I'm going to give you his name after, but I just want you to know. This is an American politician. This is a man who was elected. People walked into the voting booth and elected this person. He is, because of our system, a servant of the people. Listen to how he speaks to his people. Falsification of a vaccination card. That's actually a serious offense, falsifying an official document. That uh, literally could result in uh, prison time as much as seven years. So I want people to understand that is not something to play around with. This is, we're in the middle of a pandemic. The vaccination card's a pretty sacred document to tell us who's vaccinated, who not. Uh, Don't even think about falsifying it because it could be very, very serious, serious consequences if you do. I'm sorry? That, that That sounded like an American politician who was elected by the people That sounded like him threatening to throw people in a dungeon if they defy his orders. Do do I have that right? Chris, did I hear wrong? I swore that's what I heard. I heard an American politician elected by the people threatening to throw said people in the dungeon. Again, please. Falsification of a vaccination card. That's actually a serious offense, falsifying an official document. That uh, literally could result in uh, prison time as much as seven years. So I want Do you see what I mean? We're not talking about snobs here. That's a whole different thing. We're talking about people who feel as if they were born to rule you. That's why they act the way they act. And I had I had someone bring up Rome to me. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a serious talk. Hang on. The talk radio revolution. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Tuesday night. I was thinking about something because a lot of people, they're picking up on some things that I'm saying about where we're at and how we're doing as a nation. And what's happening is people think we're Rome. People think this is the fall of Rome. No, not really. We're going to do a little history talk here. But first, I want you to listen to something because it's going to play a part in our story. I want you to listen to Stephen Colbert. Colbert? Colbert? Stephen Colbert, he's supposedly a comedian. Back when, you know, back when comedians used to be funny, he was funny. Now, since communism has taken over all of it, they're not funny anymore. He had this to say. Just listen real quick, because I'm going to explain where we're going. We've had troops there for 20 years. They fought. They sacrificed. Their families sacrificed so that we wouldn't have a terrorist attack in America planned in a foreign country. Why should our soldiers be fighting radicals in a civil war in Afghanistan? We've got our own on Capitol Hill. Hmm. Seems pretty extreme, right? 
And you're seeing a lot of that American Taliban. We have the American Taliban. Set all that stuff aside for a moment. Rome, when Rome was going through this period of time where they were transitioning from being a republic to being something run by an emperor, that's where we are right now as a nation. I don't believe we're about to be over. I believe we're about to have an emperor. How soon? I don't know. I don't know. But I believe it is the next step. Because right now, we are exactly where Rome was. Where was Rome? Well, Rome had imported tons and tons and thousands upon thousands of foreign slave labor. Now, theirs were actual slaves. Ours are of a different variety. But they had imported tons of those. Why? Well, it was the mega rich people who were importing them. They didn't want to pay wages anymore. They wanted free labor. None of this is sounding familiar, right? Also, the ruling class, the senators and equestrians, those were the knight class. They were right below the senator class. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. They were rich guys. They were also buying up all the land, gobbling up huge parts of the economy, and manipulating the law to allow them to oppress people of the lower classes and gobble up more for themselves. None of this, none of this sounds familiar, does it? And the ruling class had something else. Something else that really stood out, if you pay any attention to this transition period in Rome, the ruling class simply wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen to the repeated pleas of the plebs. Stop this. Stop abusing us. Stop sending us off to war when you're not invested. Stop importing slave labor and driving me down into the lower class. Stop buying up my land. Stop gobbling up everything. Stop the corruption. And just like Rome, they didn't listen. They wouldn't listen. And so popular demagogues began to rise. Most of the time they came from the upper classes as well. None of this is sounding familiar, right? Donald Trump. They came from the upper classes, but they understood the plight of the lower classes and spoke for the lower classes, and they would challenge the system. Now, Rome purged these demagogues, but Rome, you couldn't, you can't get rid of an idea. Once the idea takes root in the people that our rulers, that the rulers of a nation are corrupt and wrong, and don't care about the nation anymore, once that idea is set in, in the people, as we have here, it is inevitable there will be serious challenges to the ruling class. Trump, when people think Trump was the end of it or something like that, Trump was the introduction. Trump was simply the beginning. He was the first of the people from the upper class who would mingle with the commoners and speak for the common man. That's part of the reason he has such a cult following to this day. I know why he has a cult following. When's the last guy you saw speak for the working man? Whether you love Trump or hate Trump, he spoke for the working man. Trump was but a taste of what's to come. What will happen now is the ruling class will continue to double and triple down. They'll get more and more corrupt and continue to enrich themselves. And as a counterbalance, because all societies seek a balance, you will have more demagogues rise. You don't know who they are now. I don't know who they are. I can't give you names. You will have more popular demagogues rise on the right who will speak against this corrupt ruling class. And again and again, the corrupt ruling class will find a way to smite these popular demagogues right up to the point 
where they can't anymore. And once they can't anymore and the corrupt demagogue takes over, the system will be so hideously poisoned and rotted out and corrupted just like ours is now the corrupt demagogue will not step in and probably won't have any desire to because he'll be an absolute sociopath himself. He won't step in and restore freedom. He'll act like it. He'll talk like it. It'll be very similar to Julius Caesar. He will step in and begin to rule like an emperor. And he will insist to the people, and not necessarily incorrectly, he will begin to insist to the people, oh, no, 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 I, 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 can't, I can't restore things just yet. Don't you want me to punish this guy first? Well, I have to punish these people first. Don't you want, look, I will give freedom back first. I have to throw these CEOs in prison for what they've done. And you, you, you can laugh about that now. People will cheer. People will cheer. People will cheer when this popular demagogue takes over and he says things like, that journalist just told a lie and that article, I'm having him arrested. He'll be in a dungeon by the end of the day. People on the right will, and probably would now, say, good, he deserves it. You're starting to see sprinklings of it now. I see it all the time. You'll see a a journalist got fired. You'll see a journalist is stuck behind enemy lines in a dangerous territory somewhere. Half the comments, half the comments will be, good, I'm glad. When I've said before, within 10 years, the GOP will elect a person who openly campaigns on imprisoning journalists, most of the comments I get back are, 10 years, I'd vote for that right now. This is not a small thing. It's not campaign rhetoric. This only goes down further from here because the ruling class, they're not even capable of self-examination or backing off because all they've ever known is being a ruler. All they've ever known is being in the ruling class. They don't have any idea how to read history and interpret it and see that power always has an expiration date. They don't think in those terms. And so because they won't ever relent, they won't ever back off, they won't ever make the necessary concessions to avoid conflict, we'll continue to tear apart. That's all you're seeing now. Have you considered our position on the world stage? I read you that thread earlier from a CIA ops guy, but let's just talk about China. What if China woke up tomorrow, tomorrow, and decided, okay, I've had enough of playing games with Taiwan. Taiwan's ours now. Let's get some nuclear attack subs. Let's get an expeditionary force. Let's land some troops on the shore. We're going to go ahead and take Taiwan. And I'm not trying to be outlandish. That could happen. And it could happen tomorrow. In fact, if I was China, I would do it tomorrow. We're, we're stuck in Afghanistan. What would we even attempt to do about it? Have you considered what that means? Let's walk through that. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Can we stop playing the Smashing Pumpkins on the show? Are you seriously like that? That's just awful. It's just awful. All right. 877-377-4373. Our place in the world right now. This is from China. Quote, from what happened in Afghanistan, those in Taiwan should perceive, should perceive that once a war breaks out in the Straits, 
the island's defense will collapse in hours and the U.S. military won't come to help. As a result, the DPP will quickly surrender. They're already openly threatening Taiwan. I'd go to Taiwan tomorrow if I was China. We won't do anything. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And we don't even have the ability to do so. We don't have the naval naval capacity to sail over there and actually do something with teeth to China. Nor would we be interested in doing so. We are right there on that cusp. Right there on the cusp of losing our number one spot in the world. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you lose any mooring to your founding at all. When you lose any connection to your founding, you lose your values. That's what happens. It's inevitable. Tale as old as time. And every major wealthy, powerful nation has gone through this exact same cycle. So don't don't get down in the dumps about it. You have a different period of history than your parents have to live through. That's fine. That's life. That's life. But you should understand that's where we are. You really, really should understand that. Let's get to a couple emails, and I'll take a couple other phone calls, 877-377-4373. Remember, you can email the show. I read every single email that comes in. They all go to Chris. He prints them all off for me. I read them all. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many of them. Jesse, no matter how many troops we have at the airport in Kabul, the Taliban can shut off the fuel supply for planes or sabotage the fuel. At best, they could strand our planes. At worst, it could cause crashes. Look, we don't have operational control of the country anymore. We walked out of our bases and they were waiting, quite literally waiting to drive in as we were walking out. They were lined up waiting to drive in and steal all the equipment we left behind. We don't have operational control. What does that mean? It means if we want things from the Taliban now, and you're going to see this because this is a political disaster for Biden, we have five, 10,000 Americans there. Biden and his people are well aware if Americans start showing up dead on social media, he's going to be impeached. It, it's, it's that big of a deal. Americans that weren't interested in Afghanistan still aren't interested in Afghanistan, and that's fine. They're going to impeach Joe Biden if Americans start swinging from the gallows or getting their heads chopped off. Here's the problem, though. We don't have the ability to stop them. And don't say things like, oh, let's drop, just drop some bombs. They've taken over the population centers. You want to start bombing women and children now too? I mean, maybe you do, but understand that's what you're campaigning for. It's not like the Taliban. It's not like you have 10,000 Taliban sitting out there bivouacked in the middle of a field somewhere where you can just drop a bomb on them and call it good. They're in the homes. They're in the streets. They're in the presidential palace. You lost operational control. What does that mean? It means now we have to negotiate with people, bad people, and we have to negotiate with said people without any hand. We don't have any leg to stand on. We don't have any power over them right now. We already gave them the country. What does that mean? We're going to bribe them. We're going to end up, you think you're mad now? You really think you're mad now? Wait until you find out about the Biden administration shipping millions and possibly billions of dollars to the Taliban 
so we can have our citizens back. Chris said, just like Obama, just like Obama. Things don't actually ever change. Tom in Long Beach. Tom, go. Jesse, my man. I just wanted to know uh, what happens to the emperor. Uh, you ended the story before uh, the Julius Caesar. You, you were talking about the Julius Caesar emperor. and um, So I was wondering, does he end up like Julius Caesar? Does he get assassinated too? Oh, yeah. Uh, great, call, great call, by the way. Yeah, a lot of emperors on our side. Demagog- if you want to call it our side, the right-wing populist demagogues who will begin to rise, oh, th- they'll eventually start killing them, for sure. And I can't predict the future. I don't know how many of them will die. That's how it works. We're entering a different phase, an ugly phase, a phase you won't recognize. Who these people are, wh- how this thing goes, I don't know, but I do know you're watching the public at large pull away from the people who run its institutions. And you should, right? You shouldn't trust them, but also, it's not good. I mean, it's really not good the average American rolls his eyes when you say the letters FBI. Think about that. Think about how drastically different that is than even the year 2000, even. The year 2000, the year 2010, what, what's the average American do when you say FBI? Oh, nice. Boys in blue. Best of the best. Law enforcement. Half the country now rolls its eyes when you say FBI, CIA, CDC. If you have the country thinking its institutions are no longer legitimate, then the process I'm talking about has already begun. It's already begun. How long it takes, I don't know. I hope it's a long time. I don't want to live through this era. Here we are. Let's get to some more emails. So with the Taliban taking over, are we now going to focus on the border? Once they've completely taken over, they will no doubt start sending terrorists across the southern border. One, there are already terrorists coming across the southern border. Lots of them. Border Patrol friends of mine have repeated this. In fact, I've seen media outlets running with it now saying they've seen more terrorist activity on the southern border recently than they have in a long time. The Taliban aren't going to come. The Taliban are not a foreign terrorist organization. They're a radical Sharia law-abiding Islamic sect that wants to rule Afghanistan. They don't have any desire to do foreign terrorism. However, Al-Qaeda does. Boko Haram does, ISIS does, Hezbollah does, Hamas does. They're all still very, very, very much alive. Chris, can't you people take care of some of them? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm listening to a radio host, and he mentioned that the heroes of life and death or have life and death struggles would... I don't know what this person's trying to say. This is terrible English. Some of you need to go back to English class. Anyway, what I'm just kidding. What he's saying is some of the people, the heroes of World War II would never get a promotion in today's political Navy or Army. He said, I think he's right. The desperately needed potential warriors for today are told to shut up and sit down so the War College can focus on diversity. He said Patton would not rise above lieutenant. Buddy, I'm not sure Patton would be allowed to graduate West Point today. It's that bad. You see, people get confused how this happened. Well, remember, it's all about the gatekeepers. We, we've, we've done this show before. We've talked about this before, about the credentials, about who's handing out the credentials. 
It does little good to have passed driving school if Helen Keller was your driving instructor, does it? It doesn't do any good. Well, Helen Keller's controlling all your institutions now. To get, to get through War College, to get through West Point, Annapolis, to get through Harvard, to get through Yale, they're not looking for the best and brightest. They're looking for good little serfs who will do the system's bidding at all times. And that's hard for people to accept because you want to believe that doctor's lab coat, those general stars, that Harvard degree. You want to mean it. Me- you want to believe it means something more. That person's been credentialed. Oh, they've been credentialed. They've been credentialed by other people who hate the country and demand the same before those credentials are handled handed out. It's a gatekeeper problem now. Now, obviously, dollar is <clears throat> not doing well, to put it kindly. They're not even pretending as if this inflation thing is going to turn around anytime soon, which is why I've been telling you about Oxford Gold Group for so long. I am telling you about Oxford Gold Group because I tell my own mother about Oxford Gold Group. I tell friends about Oxford Gold Group. You need physical gold. Some of it. I'm not telling you to do something nuts or radical here. Call Oxford Gold Group. They will deliver gold to your front doorstep. And if you tell them Jesse told you to call, I have a great relationship with them, they will take extra special care of you. I promise 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. It's important you protect yourself. There are some basic steps. Owning some precious metals is one of those steps. 833-995-GOLD. Call Oxford Gold Group today. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse Kelly's show, final segment. We have a sweet show for you tomorrow already planned. I know what you're thinking. Jesse, can you tell me what it's going to be about? No, I'm not going to tell you what it's about. It's called a tease, all right? I'm a radio professional. If you want to know what, Chris? If you want to know what tomorrow's show is going to be about, you're going to have to sit there and wait. Just sit there and listen to the radio all night until I come back on. (laughs) All right. It's time for headlines I didn't get to. Finalists announced in search for America's best restroom. Okay, I'm going to set this aside, and I'm going to give you one more PSA on this. One more PSA. If you're like me and you don't like public restrooms, and you happen to be out and about, and nature's call arises. And I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about going pee here. And nature's call rises, and you have no choice. Ideally, you, we all go back home, all right, because I've seen how filthy you animals are. The greatest restaurant restrooms in public are hotel lobby restrooms. And I know what you're thinking, but Jesse, I'm not staying at the hotel. Life is about confidence. Act like you're staying at the hotel, Walk in there, show some confidence, act like you're meeting someone. You think the desk clerk making $10 an hour cares that you're going to go drop the kids off at the pool in the hotel lobby? No. This is from clarioncausation.com. That's that's a cause clarion cause action. Who names these things? Where'd you get this article, Chris? Anyway, 
photo ID suddenly no longer racist to Dems as NYC mayor begins requiring them and vaccinations to move freely. This is also, oh, this is Matt Palumbo. Matt Palumbo is a good buddy. This is also coming to New Orleans. It's coming to San Francisco. It's going to continue to spread throughout the urban areas. As I warned, as soon as New York did it, I told you other people would follow suit. That's the bad news. The worst news is this is actually going to contribute to what I was talking about either earlier about the country fraying, the country pulling apart. People aren't all vaccinated. Even New York City. Everyone thinks about it as this far left dump, even though there's tons of conservatives there. Only 56% of New York City is vaccinated. So let's see, carry the one. I went to community college. That means 44% now can't go to a restaurant. Some people can't even get vaccinated medically. They're not even allowed to get it. And New York has already said that's no excuse, vaccine or not. What does all this mean for you? You're going to see the continued downward spiral of America's cities. You will. And it sucks. Maybe you're a city person. Maybe you're not. I love the city. I love the country, too. I love it all. I think it all adds it all adds its own flavor. We don't want to see America's cities turn into absolute wastelands, and they're going to. Another thing on the vaccine thing, you realize like half the medical professionals in this country aren't vaccinated And right now we're starting to see doctor and nurse shortages as more vaccine mandates come in because doctors and nurses are leaving. Oh, but it's all about the public health, right? Remember, they promised you from the very beginning this was all about the public health. Well, what could be better for the public health than driving all the doctors and nurses into retirement? Headline, CWW7news.com. Taliban leader freed from Guantanamo Bay by Obama in 2014 helped organize the takeover of Afghanistan. Elections have consequences. Remember what I said earlier about the things these people have in common? One of those things, remember what number two was? They all believe we live in a different, more civilized era. Of course he's reformed himself in Guantanamo Bay. He beat all the guards in tic-tac-toe. I'm sure he's, he's, he's given up his evil ways. Yeah, they don't tend to do that, do they? University of Michigan professor says math and science classes are racist. I will again say the greatest trick American communists ever pulled was teaching upper-middle-class Republican families that they have to spend $50,000 a year to send little Billy off to college to learn how to be a communist. Get your kids out of these schools. Send them to trade schools. Send them to tech schools. Monitor where you send that precious child you spent 18 years raising because you're spending a fortune making sure that child unlearns all the values you taught them. Headline, tax on billionaires, COVID windfall could vaccinate every adult on earth. Yes, you heard that right. They want to pass a one-time tax on the world's 2,690 billionaires to cover $20,000 in cash paid to all unemployed workers. (laughs) These people, this is what, you see what I mean about how they don't live in the real world? Somebody sat down and thought this was actually a thing. By the way, there are 26, over 2,600 billionaires in the world, Chris. Did you know that? Doesn't that seem like a lot? No, look, Chris, I read it in the news. Clearly, it's true. (laughs) Anyway, headline, 
Whitmer kidnapping case rocked by allegations that the FBI told the informant to lie and delete text messages. Listen to me. Virtually every right-wing plot you read about in the coming years about a plan to assassinate this person or kill this person or kidnap this person, virtually all those, it's just the FBI. Just accept it now. It's the FBI. It's the FBI who's decided that you're a domestic terrorist and now they have, quote, informants everywhere, and they're going to do everything they can to frame you up and make you look like a domestic terrorist so they can throw you in a dungeon for the dastardly crime of, of opposing the Democratic Party. Tory Bush scores book deal worth up to $100,000 financial disclosures show. She's that crazy Democrat from Missouri the one with the fingernails that are so long. How do you wipe your butt like that? But you know what? That's another story. I don't want to go into it right now. She's that crazy Democrat from Missouri who's always telling everybody to share the wealth and spread the wealth around and you don't need to pay rent and all these other things. Remember this. Remember. It's a religion. It's not a political ideology. It's a religion. And people like Cory Bush, they don't consider themselves to be hypocrites. They consider themselves to be in the priest class. Well, the priest gets an extra uniform you don't get. He gets a little more communion wine. You don't get access to it. You're one of the plebs. Go sit in the pews and learn, peasant. That's how these people think. We will be back tomorrow. We'll be even better. I mean, I'll be even better. Chris won't. That's all. So-